In the mid-20th century, Latin American literature gained a worldwide audience, in part thanks to the Argentine writer and poet Jorge Luis Borges. Borges' literature certainly switches the way in which Latin American literature is perceived. The idea that literature coming from Latin America cannot be reduced to tropical fantasies or realist depictions of exotic worlds, but that can stand uh, on par with uh, European modernism, with Joyce and Beckett and Kafka and Thomas Mann. The geopolitical um, place of origin does not determine an aesthetic protocol for literature. My name is Mariano Siskind. I'm a professor of Romance Languages and Literatures and Comparative Literature at Harvard University. Borges's works inspired Latin American authors to explore new genres and helped to create an internationally recognizable Latin American literary tradition. So Borges is the one who changes that perception of Latin American uh, literature and opens the door for the writers of the so-called Latin American boom to go in very different directions with the literature they produce. Welcome to Writ Large, a podcast about how books change the world. I'm Zachary Davis. In each episode, I talk with one of the world's leading scholars about one book that changed the course of history. For this episode, I sat down with Professor Mariano Siskind to discuss Borges's Fictions. Fictions is a book of short stories that Borges published in 1944. It has two parts. Um, the first part is called uh, The Garden of Forking Paths that was published as a, as a short book of short stories. And the second part is Artificios, that it was uh, kind of a, an, an added second part that uh, Borges included in the first edition of the book uh, under the title of Fictions in 1944. And the short stories were written between 1939 and 1943. What are what are some of the themes that Borges explores? So in fictions, you have um, science fiction, fantasy uh, short stories. You have um, detective stories. You have uh, speculative fiction. You have uh, stories that combine. Um, speculative and detective fiction. Um, you have um, short stories that are of a literary theme. And you also have something that is hugely important for Borges, which is um, short stories about the Argentinian literary tradition, the ways in which he appropriates the Argentinian gauchesque literature. So you have, for instance, uh, The End, El Fin, where he rewrites the ending of the classic Argentinian gauchesque poem, Martin Fierro, and short stories that 
um, mix this speculative fiction with the Gauchesque theme. One of Borges' most famous uh, short stories, The South, where he uh, tried to bring together the, the literary tradition and imaginaries of the Argentinian Pampas, the countryside, uh, usually seen as the site of uh, barbarism or lack of culture and civilization and the urban world of um, Buenos Aires and how he, in a, in a dreamlike scenario, uh, blurs the boundaries between uh, these two separate worlds. Borges is a writer who actually is very interesting always in blurring boundaries of undoing binarisms. Blurring boundaries is common in Borges's fiction. He was interested in creating oppositions and exploring cultural contradictions. He is very interested in exploring um, the characters who cross boundaries um, um, and the uh, kind of liminal spaces that emerge from the blurring of boundaries and um, and create all sorts of paradoxes um, rather than contradictions and oppositions. Seeing what's uh, what's in that gray area where two apparent elements in contradiction, cultural worlds in contradiction, actually meet and become one land or site of paradoxes. In Borges' literature, writers and leaders travel across boundaries all the time and find themselves in, in spaces that need to be appropriated and made their own. I'm so curious about the way he collapses binaries. Could you list the way that, the, could you list the binaries that he, you find that his work tends to, uh, you know, <laughs> to blur together? So on the one hand, the idea of civilization and barbarism, um, the idea that there's a, a cultural world, a social world that is um, um, defined by its fullness of culture and um, world of, um, um, and, and, and that, and that it would be the site of literature and uh, intellectual um, relations with reality. And on the other hand, supposedly, a world of pure action and, and fullness of life and lack of, um, of reflection but he's also very interested in the notion of treason because crossing boundaries may be perceived or is often perceived as forms of treason, of abandoning your world in order to embrace uh, the, that world that lies uh, on the other side of that fence. Could you sketch for us his biography and how you think that his his own life story influenced the themes that he was fascinated by? 
So Borges was born into a family that he characterizes as having two uh, different genealogies. The Creole genealogy that goes back all the way to the um, independence war at the beginning of the 19th century. He's quite fame, uh, quite proud of the of the military lineage of his mother's side of the family. And the second lineage is the intellectual uh, lineage, the, um, the, this world, uh, that this universe that is a library, as he says in, um, in the Babel, the short story, the Babel Library. This is his father's side of the family. Um, his father was born in Argentina, but in an English family in Argentina. And so Borges uh, grows up uh, speaking English to his father and his um, paternal grandmother and Spanish to his mother. He felt that English was his literary language uh, growing up. Now, when Borges was um, 14 years old, uh, in the year 1914, Borges was born in 1899, um, his father has to uh, have a medical treatment and the whole family travels to Europe for uh, his father to be treated there. And they, uh, World War I finds the family in Switzerland where they stay for the duration of, in, in Geneva, for the duration of the, of, of, the, of the Great War. Borges studied in Geneva and received his degree from the Collège de Genève. Before heading back to Argentina, his family spent a few months in Spain. During this time, Borges became part of the anti-modernismo ultraist literary movement. This movement opposed the popular literary style at the time, modernismo. Writers of the modernismo movement sought a deeper understanding of art and beauty through sensual imagery. Ultraists, by contrast, were suspicious of aesthetic excess and flourish. They favored a more sleek and contemporary literary form that eliminated ornamentation and incorporated references to the modern world and new technologies. When they returned to Argentina um, in 1920, they, uh, Borges was, um, was determined to become uh, a writer trying to translate and articulate his understanding of the European avant-garde that he had uh, become acquainted in Switzerland and in acquainted with in his in Switzerland and in Spain um, with um, the um, Argentinian uh, milieu, uh, and so he wrote um, three books of poetry and three books of essays during the um, the. Uh, first part of the 1920s um, that uh, produced this 
avant-garde aesthetic written in a extremely local form of Spanish, um, which he called uh, criollismo, creolism, if you will, uh, which try to was very urban poetry that tried to um, put into practice the um, constructive principles of the avant-garde, but in order to reconstruct um, a fictional view of the Buenos Aires that he had uh, left when he was um, 14 years old. In his poems and essays, Borges wove together European literary traditions and the style of the ultraist movement he found in Spain with Argentine Creole. But always making sure that they were written from a standpoint of the Argentinian marginal, peripheral writer. So it was sort of an assault of the greatest European modern modernist tradition from the margins of the world. Um, an, an irreverence in terms of appropriating from the standpoint of his own um, place of, of enunciation in Buenos Aires, in the Rio de la Plata, in the River Plate, um, appropriating these um, 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 great uh, European tradition that at the time was understood as um, universal. So, in a way, kind of marginalizing the universal the un universal literature, marginalizing Europe, and universalizing the periphery, Buenos Aires. This approach set Borges apart from all other Argentine writers. He was the first to pioneer this technique. What, what was the context in which Borges is writing? His first uh, um, books of poetry were written um, in the, during the first half of the 1920s, um, uh, as, as well as his first book of, his three uh, books of essays from the 1920s. During this time, Borges wrote a few works of fiction, but mostly focused on essays and poems. That all changed in 1938, when he suffered a near-fatal accident. He almost died. He hit his head with a with a window frame, and uh, was in the hospital for several days. Then that experience is incorporated in the beginning of his short story, The South, also in fictions. Um, and so he doesn't trust. He still in possession of his literary powers, so he decides. Well, if I write another of my typical reviews or essays or poems, um, I, I will not know if I still have the ability 
an, an inventive ability. So instead, he says, I'm going to try to write something that I never, that I've never done before. And so he writes a sh this short story, which is uh, an, um, an apocryphal obituary for a writer called Pierre Menard. Um, and so he invents this writer and um, tells about what he calls his uh, visible um, um, oeuvre. And he says, but he's more interested in his invisible oeuvre. This short story appears in fictions and was called Pierre Menard, author of the Quixote. In the story, Borges the narrator reviews a work by fictional French author Pierre Menard called Don Quixote. The original Don Quixote was written by Miguel de Cervantes in the 17th century, but Menard set out to immerse himself in 17th century Spanish and write, not translate, Don Quixote word for word. Menard succeeds and writes Don Quixote, identical to the original. Borges, the narrator and reviewer, says Menard's version sounds more like Menard than Cervantes, even though both texts are the exact same, just written at different times. And so this paradox of this impossible situation of how can you write the Quixote word by word and not think of it as a copy? And what's interesting, what Borges inaugurates with this is this phenomenology of the reader, this great contribution of Borges who uh, introduces into of the literary world, the idea that writing is a form of reading and a form of translation. Borges points out that every text is a translation or interpretation of another text. There is no original. For him, it is the reader's literary experience that is most important. And so with the idea of Pierre Menard rewriting, writing again the Quixote, he's trying to um, understand the standpoint of the reader who always has a relation of ownership with the books they read, with the reader always is translating a book to themselves. So um, what was it like when this was first published? Um, what was the reception like in Argentina? What was it like in Latin America? And then how, how did it spread to, you know, the capitals of Europe and America? At a very young age, Borges was recognized as um, this um, literary genius, but mostly by a small group of friends and readers and writers who shared his aesthetic sensibility, not by the um, um, masses or by cultural institutions. In fact, in 1942, when he published The Garden of Forking Paths, which is then two years later becomes the first part of fictions, um, his friends present his book 
as a candidate for the National Literary Prize. In 1942, that is, Borges had produced a revolutionary first half of a book that would change literature forever. But he loses. He loses to a mediocre novel, realist novel that no one remembers today. So in Argentina, his recognition grows during the 1940s. By the beginning of the 1950s, um, and certainly by 1955, um, he is, um, recognized as the most important Argentinian writer. It's a process that goes from the mid-1940s until the mid-1950s. In this time, Borges continued to write fiction, as well as screenplays. He also gave lectures and became a public figure. By 1955, Borges was appointed director of the Argentine National Public Library. Having lost the National Literary Prize in 1942 and becoming uh, director of the National Public Library in 1955 marks kind of the arch of his uh, recognition in Argentina. His recognition began to spread beyond Argentina in the early 1960s when he won the first pre-international literary award in 1961. He shared the prize with Irish writer Samuel Beckett. And this is when Borges' literature immediately explodes in, and is translated to all European languages, to English, French, Italian, German, um, to begin with. Um, and is seen as a precursor of the philosophical uh, school of post-structuralism and post-modernism. If at the time European writers and philosophers were very invested in this decentering of the Western subject, of the rational uh, subject, and they found in Borges uh, a father figure, if you will. He seemed to pave the way for a broader shift in metaphysics and epistemology and, you know, all these very big categories of thought. Well, yes. Um, if you think about um, postmodernism post and poststructuralism as um, an attempt to undermine um, foundationalist uh, philosophical discourses, uh, the idea that there's a source for um, of truth um, and that it has to do either with uh, secular theologies uh, of, um, of the subject, of the rational autonomous subject, and there come Borges saying that 
there is no original, that everything is a translation of a translation of a translation or a rewriting of a previous writing that is at the same time a rewriting of a previous writing. There is no original text. There is no source of truth and value, but just this uh, contingent uh, um, appropriations and versions of uh, that he calls fiction. You have the perfect um, surface for these postmodern, post-structural philosophers to rethink how sciences uh, produced uh, and institutionalized forms of knowledge, marginalizing other forms of knowledge. Um, particularly the sciences. Has Borges' reputation grown since the Latin American boom? And, and should readers continue to, to pick up this book and engage with it? Certainly, certainly. Borges' literature is not dated. Borges' definition of a classic is that of a book that can be appropriated uh, anew re-signified anew every time that you read it, then Borges is a classic because that's exactly what happens when readers become part of his labyrinthic worlds when they have his books in their hands. How did fictions change the world? How did Borges's writing change the world? I, I can think of three ways in which um, Borges' literature and fictions in particular changed the world. On the one hand, it inverted the geopolitics of literature by making the margin, the peripheries of the world, the place of aesthetic innovation. The other two ways in which Borges' literature changed the world, he shifted the phenomenology of literature, transforming the reader as the centerpiece of um, literary and aesthetic and cultural phenomena. The reader in Borges, and after Borges, and forever after Borges, is the one who produces the meaning of literature of the world. It is the moment when the reader encounters the text that the work is complete. And therefore, there no longer is the conventional hierarchy between the author and the reader, where the reader is um, 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 placed on a secondary level of um, pure contemplation of the literary genius of the author. Authors are readers in Borges. And when the world of cultural and literary phenomena is inverted and the reader is at the center, then everything can be understood as fiction. And therefore, Borges' literature 
teaches us how to become readers, not just readers of Borges' own literature, but readers of literature and cultural phenomena at large, and makes clear that the core of reality is fictional, and that we have a responsibility to understand it, to interpret it, because we're all readers. What a beautiful thought. Uh, the phrase, we must all be readers of life, comes to mind, that we all are summoned to engage with reality, to not just consume it, um, but to co-create it in the way that we recreate Quixote um, <laughs> anew for each new generation in each new heart and each new mind. That's exactly right. We are readers of life if we understand that that is an active subject position and not a passive one, that we are responsible for granting meaning to life, to producing knowledge out of the world. Writ Large is produced by Galen Beebe, Jack Pombriant, and me, Zachary Davis. We get help from Liza French. Our theme song is by Ian Koss, and our branding is by Dan Petchy. We're a member of LitHub Radio. Writ Large is a Lyceum original production. Join our discussion room in the Lyceum app to share your thoughts and hear what other listeners are saying. You can also find us on our website, writlarge.fm. There, you'll find transcripts, links to the books we discussed, and more information about today's guest. Thanks for listening. See you next time.